What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju. And this is the Podcast Mercenary Show, and I'm the Podcast Mercenary himself, Christian Ramos. So let's get started. Today we're going to discuss the DC Comics and Warner Brothers film titled Black Adam. Now, Black Adam is a movie that's been in production for about 15 plus years at this point. I mean, back when The Rock had hair. Like, that's how far back this film was in production. It is wild to me how it took this long to get this project off the floor, but I think it has a lot to do with, mm, I don't know, Warner Brothers changing the guard every, like, four or five years. They've not had a consistent president. They've not had a consistent studio. They're constantly going in and out of purchasing. Like, they used to be Warner Media, Warner Brothers, right? And then they somehow got purchased by AT&T. Well, before that was AOL. We don't talk about AOL, Time Warner. That was a dark age. Then it keeps going, and then now they're Warner, Warner Discovery. So they keep changing, I guess you can say, boardrooms, presidents, so much drama behind the scenes, so much things I don't want to get into. But it's just a matter of getting this film on the showroom floor into the theaters and finally debuting was a journey. And it's just a lot of red tape, guys, a lot of red tape to get this film off to the ground running. And if it wasn't for The Rock, this movie would never get made because they're so, um, how do I say this? Superman, Batman-centric. They don't want to dare. Like, even Aquaman was stepping out of their comfort zone. Wonder Woman was stepping out of their comfort zone. So, of course, a deep cut like Black Adam. Because he's, he's not even technically a hero. He's an anti-hero slash villain for Shazam, which they have a Shazam movie. So that was definitely a well, well scouted. So, again, it's all interconnected, but not really. Because there's a, a disconnect between the Zack Snyderverse, DCU, the uh, Matt... Reeves, uh, Reeves, I mean, you got a bunch of directors that have their own independent worlds. Matt Reeves, Planet of the Apes director and also director of the Batman. He's got his own trilogy where his Batman is still like year two or year one Batman. But then Ben Affleck is back in the fold. Again, they're big on multiverses. But here's the issue with DC from the get-go. They never had a game plan. They just are tossing ideas at the board thinking, we could speed run what Marvel did in five years. That's not how you world build, let alone how you get invested in something. I can't get invested in a franchise if you're constantly changing characters, making duplicates of the same character from different eras. I mean, I don't want, if there's a 50-year-old Ben Affleck Batman and a 20-year-old, I'm sorry, 30-year-old Robert Pattinson Batman who's more emo, and they look vastly different, and obviously they're in different eras. They're not going to intersect because they're from different timelines or different universes or whatever you want to call it. So there's a lot of confusion. And from what I understand from Dwayne DeRock Johnson's uh, words, his own words are that Black Adam is essentially a reboot of the DC universe. But the funny thing is, with so much controversy behind the Flash movie, Flashpoint, that was supposed to be the hard reset for DC because, again, with the failure of Batman versus Superman and the lackluster reception of Justice League with all the drama behind that. Like, like there haven't... And then the firing of Henry Cavill and now the rehiring of Henry Cavill. There's just so much going on in this universe that I can't cover it in one podcast. I mean, I could, but nobody wants to hear that because this is like old news. Everyone should know by now. So let me give you the, the speed note. Black Adam is a standalone film that also can be in a universe 
because, again, they do have a multiverse collision of sorts. So, that being said, it's not the first movie from DC, obviously. Not the first movie this decade from DC. But it is the hard, I guess, soft reset of the universe that they want to build. So, does that mean that uh, Zachary Levi's Shazam is canon? Yes, because even in the end of Shazam... If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, my Shazam reviews have been up for a couple years now. Henry Cavill's Superman without his face shown because they're going to recast as Superman at this point. And this was three or four years ago before the pandemic. Like, it's getting ridiculous how they can't keep things straight at DC. And that's because they don't have a Kevin Feige. He's one of a kind. They've never had this type of layout for film. Films usually stand alone. Yes, before that, there was intersection of characters, but not to the point of the world building that the Marvel MCU did. Um, and that took a lot of layers. That's like pretty much making television into film. It's just a big, broad universe. So DC has had an issue with consistency, let alone they only want to focus on Batman and Superman for the longest time because they have no confidence in their other characters because they haven't been built up. So, yes, I can go ranting on about this, but let's focus on the good stuff. Let's focus on the fact that they actually have a direction. They just hired James Gunn to be the co-CEO with his good old producer buddy, Peter Safran, who's also well-educated in comic books himself. He's not too shabby as a new co-CEOs of DC Films and their DCU, their D- not DCEU, just their DC Universe, is coming to life. So the Tech of Comics universe is actually coming to the big screen and some projects are tied into it some aren't and shazam is directly tied into their vision because they gotta they gotta somewhat (laughs) they gotta somewhat tie in what they already have you cannot start you could start from square one but that would take a whole reset so why would you do a hard reset when you have so many great actors in their peak and prime available willing to do this and just use the ones you already have that are established you can start reboot a story, but just keep your Ben Affleck, keep your Dwayne The Rock Johnsons, keep your Zachary Levi's, keep your Henry Cavill's, keep your Dalga Dot, keep the established actors in those roles. Just change the story up. That's a lot easier than having to recast. My gosh, casting was like forever. And then, of course, Jason Momoa. I can't leave him out. Aquaman was one of the most popular ones. But also, it's much easier just to put these characters, I mean, these actors... In the roles they already know, you don't have to screen test them. We already know that you have chemistry. Hell, Ray Fisher can come back now with all those Josh Whedon accusations actually coming to fruition. Why not bring him back too? And you have yourself your Justice League. You do. You have. You can easily put in Shazam as a secondary Justice League, like a, an extended Justice League. Uh, you can put in Black Adam in there if that's where they want to go for the route. So there's literally infinite directions multiple universes of how they could do this or and also again with the ezra miller uh controversy aside uh the flash character has to reboot because it only makes sense considering that movie's called flashpoint and they're going to do a hard reset within the film so i think that movie's going to give a teaser of what we're going to see in the up and coming dcu universe so we are here to talk about black adam i didn't write any notes i saw women theaters a week ago i loved it um, I don't want to spend time just giving you all the details. The movie is essentially about this ancient city, ancient society, where the enslaved are helping uh, this, I guess, pharaoh or king uh, dig up this Eternia mi- mineral. This Eternia is essentially like 
a it's a stone again if you've seen other stuff similar to this lord of the rings they have mithril uh, in marvel they have vibranium and andamantium so eternia is a dc version of the ore that has infinite power out of this world power giving mean, aliens to them they're digging through it and let me just give a small synopsis it is 2600 bc the tyrannical king kandak and Tog creates the crown of Sabak, which gives them power, the powers, uh, the wearer, the great power, because it's made of Eternia, this magical stone or ore that's found deep beneath the earth. After attempting to stage a revolt, a young slave boy is given the powers of Shazam, the council of wizards, transforming him into Kandak's heroic champion who kills Akhtan and ends his reign. Simple enough, right? story gets convoluted because in present day conduct it's a press it's uh it's hints of the middle east without giving specifics uh just whatever you see in the middle east going on it, the, that's a lot of the political issues of it that's what the, what modern day conduct re- resembles very much and um archaeologists and resistant fighters uh adriana tomas tries to relocate the crown of sabak with the help of her brother kareem and these people, man, this is the great cast they have here. So let me just go over in the cast. Let's see, who do we got here? We got Dwayne DeRock Johnson as the t- titular character, uh, Black Adam. Aldous Hodge plays Hawkman. Never has Hawkman looked less corny, more badass in this movie. They finally got his armor right. Mind you, the CW shows, they try to make the Hawkman armor look cool, but it comes off corny with a low-budget costume department. No offense to the department, it's just the budget on the costume. Like, this is actual armor. It doesn't look like fake armor. Like Again, same with Pierce Brosnan, 007 himself, playing uh, Dr. Fate. What perfect casting. If you're not familiar with Dr. Fate, he's like the DC version of Dr. Strange. And yes, I do say that out loud because... DC and Marvel at one point were pretty much copycatting each other on their heroes and villains. So you're going to see a lot of characters that resemble, that have a resemblance of characters you've seen before. And that's why, because in the history of the comic books, you're like, well, we can create a hero or villain like this. We just got to see him switch it up a little bit so we don't get sued. And yeah, that's a lot of back and forth happening. So then we got Noah Centennial. Uh, my gosh, it's Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher, a character I didn't expect to like. He didn't do much in the movie. He was very much a little bit comic relief, but he's definitely like the young rookie who's trying to learn on site. He's just like a hero in training, you could say. And um, he's young. He's very young. He's like mid-20s. And then we also have Quintessa Swindle. Swindle. They play Cyclone, uh, the first ever, uh, I guess you can say, transgender actor to play a superhero in film. But the character they're playing is a female in the film. So when I say she, I'm not misgendering. That's what the character is. Even... Quintessa calls the character she because they understand the character you're playing as a woman specifically. So it's cool that we're moving forward and like identity and all that stuff is explored. Everybody can be represented, even if it's small steps. Yeah, why not? Like, we're going to see all kinds of people in this film. Very diverse cast, that's for sure. This is a group, the Justice Society, not just out of America. They don't say it out loud, but they imply it. This is a Justice, it's pre-Justice League. This is like the first ever actual, quote-unquote, superhero team, a team-up. And Pierce Brosnan is like their wizard, you know, a guy who's an old sage. Hawkman's character is Aldous Hodge is playing the, I guess you can say, the, the leader of the group because he's very much like a dad, the way he acts in the film. And him and, and The Rock, I should say, have the best chemistry. Black Adam and Hawkman hate each other because they're so damn similar. They're both these two stoic, stubborn old guys who just 
are like stuck in their own ways and they're like getting in each other's way because they are too alike. You know those two guys that always fight and argue and at the end of the day become besties? That's what this film is. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like that's exactly what you're thinking. Honestly, Black Adam, one of the few, I wouldn't say heroes, anti-heroes to actually kill in the DC universe. He's very much pro-killing. I wouldn't be surprised if Hawkman was pro-killing. His name is freaking Hawkman. This guy's got a battle axe and a mace or actually transforms depending on what he uses that. But his character here is very much contained because he's working for Amanda Waller. They're, uh, the Justice Society is literally, I guess you can say, government agents. So they're not going to be, they're not going to finna pull up and just start murdering for no reason, unless they're ordered to, because that's, they only use force when necessary. Now, he implies necessary, meaning that it's not like they're, you know, saints, but at the same time, they understand if they can avoid fatalities, they will, because they're there to. To keep things almost like a national guard, just subdue things. But if things get behind, you know, get out of hand, they gotta crack the hammer. They crack the hammer, so they are a special ops team. At the end of the day, too, so they it's again super powered metahumans. What do you expect's gonna happen, right? So again, the cast of Wells here in this casting, we got yourselves the uh, Sarah Shahi Adriana Tomas in the comic book. She is a I don't want to give it away, but you can just do your own Googles on that character. Uh, and then Ishmael, who is her friend in the film, played by Marwan Kenzari. He is like the low-key shady guy that acts like he's dead and like he plays a character dead in one scene and he comes back to life as the main villain. Like, oh, I didn't see this happening. I kind of didn't. I'm glad I did. did not see that this happening. I really just thought he was just a side character until you realize, oh, he's the mastermind behind these people. They're trying to find this you know, this crunch of box for for evil doings. You know, it's a weapon of mass destruction when you think about it. Uh, Amon Tamaz, Bodhi Sambongui, this guy's like this kid is a great actor, plays the role of her uh Adrian's character Adriana's son. And comic relief, smart alley kid, skateboard, it's it's a fun role for him. Uh let's see, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Henry Winkler plays the original Adam. So in this film, the Adam is older, kind of like how Michael Douglas's Ant-Man is an older man because he's already had his Ant-Man phase and we're jumping to Scott Lang. So you're not like erasing the, the, the you know Gen 1 Ant-Man. You're just including, hey, in history so far, he, there was a first generation Ant-Man and he retired. So ergo, Henry Winkler defines himself, plays Uncle Al, who is the original Adam, and he's gave Adam Smasher his suit because he's his only nephew that has meta powers like him similar to his and he's like teaching him hey you're gonna do fine don't mess this up that suit's expensive very overprotective but also like you know you can do this kid just believe in yourself that I like I want to see more of that in the future I want to see Henry Winkler actually maybe in the Adam suit I mean I don't know if that's gonna be possible again these are older age advanced age actors who are just there for the like any Michael Douglas wearing this Ant-Man suit that's gonna happen in the in, in the Quantumania film, we'll see. If not, I'm not, I'm not you know I'm not surprised. You got to play by the ear. And of course, they're retired, so why would they suit up to begin with, anyways? Right? I mean, spacesuits are one thing, but wearing a full-on superhero suit—that's another level of commitment. <laughs> All the horror stories I've heard of the actors who campaigned the suits and got to take like full-on hours just to—oh man, that's a dreadful journey. I would never want to wish it upon my worst enemy. Um, so the champion Uli Latukefu. Why is this guy familiar? Because in the film, he is the actor that plays the the Rock in the Young Rock series as well. So Dwayne Johnson's like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This guy plays a younger me. Let's have him play a younger me, right? Because we're going back into the history. But that's a twist. In the end, you actually find out that 
Black Adam wasn't the original choice of a champion. It was his son that did that. That kid that was going to sacrifice himself to save an old man and free his people was his son. And he was the original champion. But sadly, he was struck down by an arrow in their home one day. And that's when uh, his son bestowed the powers of Shazam onto his dad, who was not worthy. And that's why he is an anti-hero and not a straight hero like you know, he's not some Boy Scout because his dad has seen some darkness. He lost his wife. He lost his son. He's been enslaved his entire life and, and docile. He finally has the power to, like, take down and, and take no more shit from anybody and just take down all his foes. It's it's a lot of big undertaking. Like, he is essentially the killmonger in this world to, like, the Black Panther, right? He's not going to be pacifist. He, I mean, he, the whole film is essentially the Justice Society trying to get Black Adam to literally just be less evil and overpowered. He's, he's a human god. He's a god in human form, essentially. So this guy is on par with a Superman, on par with any superpowered metas, because he is just a beast. I mean, he flies. There was a dogfight here where he just knocked down planes, and you don't see that in most films with superheroes because they're heroes, and they really imply heavily that uh, even though uh, Adrena's son, is, which is a funny character, I'm on is constantly trying to tra train Black Adam to be more heroic and less of a douchebag. He's telling him, hey, you know, you got to give your finishing line, but you got to make sure your enemies are alive to hear it before they, you kill them or whatever it was. And the whole film is like him. Again, The Rock is playing a more straight-laced character who doesn't have doesn't emote as much. He's from thousands of years ago, doesn't recognize his current living situation. So he's going through a lot, and adjustment's not going to happen overnight. And, of course, back in those days... Fighting and killing was normal, commonplace, where now he's got to be more of a pacifist or follow the rules, but he doesn't. He plays by his rules, and that's why in the end of the film, Amanda Waller got sick of him, sent him a warning shot, like, hey, you come back, your prison will be your 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 country. You leave there, you're literally in our airspace, we got to deal with you, and then he's like, send whoever, and boom, what do we get? Freaking Henry Cavill Superman coming back for a quick cameo. But it confirms that Henry Cavill is back because he just dropped out of the Witcher series. Like, what the hell? Like, mind you, I've only reviewed the first season of the Witcher, so I still got to catch up on the second and third. But now it kills my enthusiasm because Henry Cavill is such a hardcore Witcher fan. He read all the books, played all the games on PC. This guy is really into the character. Like, he was trying to get it right. And he was fighting with the showrunners who aren't fan of the books or the series. I mean, the books or the... Or the games are like, well, this kind of killed his passion for this project. So he's like, well, I'm going to resign with this when I'm getting a huge offer of Warner Brothers to be Superman once again, a character I know how to play perfectly. I looked the part. You know, he's still, he's in the peak form of his life. He's still in his late 30s, looking great, almost 40, but he looks amazing. This is the time that he can play an adult Superman and have like low, you know, you can change the story up. But, you know, again, if you're going to do the Flashpoint, go for it. If you're going to do a time jump, please do. Get us past all the BS, like no more bullshit, just go right to it. Superman's married to Lois, and Superman's got a son, and Superboy, whatever, like yada yada. Just put that kinetically, just skip it, just do a big time jump, because I'm tired of this origin story bullshit. And we already know the character, like it's the same character, just you know, update the suit a little bit, whatever, right? So, I mean, again, Black Adam was a fun film, very interesting. Um, I didn't talk enough about the villain, Ishmael, who eventually becomes. Uh, the, man, Sadak is like this demon entity. That, Ishmael Gregor, he's a Russian immigrant who had become a New York City mob boss in the fictional world of DC. Uh, 
not in the film. In the film, he was pretty much Middle Eastern, and he's a descendant of the king. So he has a vendetta against Black Adam, and you realize it to the end of the film. And my gosh, this character, he's just like completely, they, they kind of modernized him in a way where they're like, okay, this guy is not a mob boss in New York. He is a leader of this mercenary group in the middle of, of this corrupt Middle Eastern country. So he just runs a show, and um, nobody knows that he ran the show. So again, he puts the crown on, becomes like superpower demon, and he actually is uh, <laughs> ends up almost. Well, he actually does end up killing Doctor Fate, who pretty much tried to, who had a vision the whole throughout the whole film that hey, the, your death is coming, which is Hawkman's, and he's like, I got to protect him from happening. And then he realizes it wasn't to protect Hawkman's death; it was that his was inevitable. So in order for it to happen and nothing going to go awry, he had to die. So it's a matter of self-sacrifice for the greater good. What a way for a hero to go. And this is when Hawkman and Black Adam team up. They take out Sadak, and then that's where we get to all this tied up, all the close ends. Now, the highs and lows of the film. The highs are great action, straightforward story, uh, easy to follow. Characters are super funny. I mean, everybody here is just amazing. Uh, I, I really enjoyed... The casting, like they have chemistry, like these people are like become family, like you could feel it in the interviews, and I dig it when the cast actually likes each other. And uh, shout out to Mo 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 Amer, comedian and actor Mo Amer, Mohammed Amer from uh, he's uh, in Rami. He's a stand up. He plays Karim, who's the brother of Adriana. She, he's like the you know he's like the comic relief character, but he's also helpful in a way. But not that he doesn't distract from the story is what I'm saying. He actually carries well his like dry wit and he was one of the characters that stood out for me uh Amon, who eventually does have superpowers later down the road we'll touch that when we get to that film uh but right now we'll see where this leads does black adam face superman next because of that cameo does he face shazam next who has the same powers he does but I, i'm now excited to see shazam too because i want to see the end credit black adam pops in because i just have a feeling it's going to be that and Again, movie was completely set in the Middle East. There was a couple scenes where we were at Dr. Fate's... Uh, no, actually, we were at Hawkman's house, in, like a mansion out in like New Orleans around there, and they all flew together like out of their jet. Similar to the X-Men, actually. Kind of like seemed too much similarities there, overlap. Um, Grant, again, Cyclone powers are cool. Uh, Adam Smasher powers, he was kind of useless. Again, he's the rookie guy in the team. Not that Cyclone wasn't a rookie, but different level when one 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 has hubris and the other one is more aware of like, hey, what I'm up against. Like Cyclone's just there to, you know, mess shit up and like <laughs> and be out the way. Adam Smasher is the to be in the way and break things down. But even him and his gargantuan size couldn't take down Black Adam. So again, we're here where this this whole film has just become a giant cluster of so many great action sequences. Now with the, what it lacked was it had built this great story and it felt convoluted the big bad at the end i feel like he didn't have enough screen time or maybe the whole film was a lot of the chase which is fine and then just kind of like you know you don't want the villain to last long because he's too overpowered right we got to make sure to take him out before it gets to full potential um one thing i have to say is my gosh this this movie it did numbers it's still doing numbers in the box office but I don't think it's up there as far as one of the best, better uh, DC films. It's definitely a good film. Uh, I would probably give it a three and a half out of five stars realistically, like as far as quality. 
but it wasn't bad. It's like, again, it's like a C minus, B minus, I know it's C plus, B minus, right? So it's like, it's watchable. It's a popcorn flick for sure. Um, story is not that hard, convoluted. Everything makes perfect sense and very straight through. Again, but it lacks some more depth than other films have. But then again, you can't compare it to other comic book movies with like 20 plus years of lore at this point, or at least on screen, at least 10 plus years. And they're trying to give you a character. This movie should have came out 10 years ago. It would have been a bigger hit. It's still a hit, just not as big as some other ones. But for DC, it wins a win. And this wasn't a bad film. It was just... I feel like with all the negative press that they've been getting and all the... Now they're getting positive press with, you know, Saffron and, and Gunn being in the helm of things. I have more confidence that the feature is going to look great because Suicide Squad was genius. And James Gunn has not really done a bad film ever. Like, to be honest, like, he's done really study stuff with Guardians and even his, like... B movies aren't terrible for B movies, and yeah, man, I'm I'm digging what they're doing with this world, and that's all I have to say because I'm just talking my ass off, saying nothing at this point. So I don't want to keep you here. Movie is a three and a half out of five. Uh, a great attempt by Dwayne Johnson to get this movie off the ground. Was it worth it? Absolutely, because it's not even just this is an origin film essentially of this overpowered being who comes in and like. This wreaks havoc and somehow is rehab, but not fully because there's still that side of them. Um, trying to fit in Monster Society, you know, fish out of water scenario, but with super, it's like an evil Thor, <laughs> some said, but no, the story is very similar to a lot of super powered heroes, fish out of water, but instead of adjusting completely, he becomes like the new guardian or champion because the people of the nation of Kondok actually want him to be their hero because. The Justice League kind of ignored them for so many years. That's so this, when this Justice Society, no, Justice League, when the Justice Society ignored all their issues, they started coming. Now it's like, oh, now you come and help us out when you could have freed us from this horrible situation years ago. Again, political lines and stuff like that. It's not that easy, especially when you're working for the government yourself. So I get that. It's like, oh, it adds a level of levity not levity of realism and you're like oh shit yeah you're right like they are technically government agents because the government wouldn't allow heroes just to run loose they definitely don't let villains do that so why would they even trust heroes for that so they are all working for waller and i'm like man this is a great way to introduce so many justice society characters star girl and you can go you know you can just name the list uh Gosh, uh, Wildcat, uh, Black Canary, Green Arrow. You can just go off and just name all the Plastic Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, just there's a limitless, especially Plastic Man. James Gunn doing Plastic Man, I can still see that. But again, he's producing. He's not going to be directing every movie. So, but he does oversee the projects. Everything except the Joker, which is, I believe, um, the uh, Todd Phillips specifically is his own world, and Matt Reeves is Batman. It's his own world, so there's going to be the James Gunn verse, which will be the canonical blockbuster universe, and then you're going to have these other side projects that, again, different universe, Earth Two, Earth Three, whatever you want to call it, Earth Fifty Nine, Earth Eighty Four, whatever. So it doesn't tie into the overarching plot. I mean, they only signed for four years, but if this is a success of four years. It could be another four years, another four years, and then they can really create this giant web of where they're, or timeline of where they see these films going. So next up is Shazam and then Blue Beetle. And then after that is 
what things get interesting. Like, where do they take this from here? So, do we get a Shazam versus Black Adam? Do we get a Batman versus Shazam? Like, what is in your game plan? Have to wait and see. So, with that being said, this has been the really all over the place review of of uh, the DC U film Black Adam by Warner Brothers and brought to you by both Lynn, Haram Garcia, Dwayne Johnson, and Danny Garcia, and starring Dwayne Johnson, Aldous Hodge, Noah Centino, Sarah Shahi, Marwan Kanzari, Quintensa Swindle, Moamer, Bodhi Sabongu, Pierce Brosnan, and uh, man, edited by Mike Sale and John Lee. Great film, Warner Brothers Picture Studios. Whew. They did not hold back on the budget. This was such a great movie. I mean, the budget was over $200 million, and it so far has made 260 so it's definitely made its budget back. Now we got to see if it keeps up making profit. And that's where we're going to know where the feature of the Zan characters and the Black Adam characters and all this is going to lead to, because this is going to be a wake-up call for DC to really try to step their game up and take this universe by the reins. So with that being said, this has been another Podcast Mercenary Show review. I'm the Podcast Mercenary, Christian Joe Ramba, signing off till next time. Thank you for tuning in. You know, be easy, stay safe out there, and as always, till next time, I'm out. Peace.